Before we begin, I'd like to proudly mention our sponsor, Injitsu.com, providing remote at-home training from some of the world's top MMA fighters. These classes are not pre-recorded. These trainers come to you live and coach you for the duration of the class. I've personally taken a few of these classes, and I've never felt so inspired and accomplished in a workout session. They'll leave you both on the floor in exhaustion, but wanting more. There are still slots available for online classes, so head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash richardlistens. I'll see you there. I'm a big fan of MMA sports. It's rough and elegant at the same time. I think my number one fear of stepping into a ring like that would be protecting my teeth. Luckily, the guys over at Impact Dental Designs have created an amazing mouth guard that is state of the art. These mouth guards are currently being used by some of the best MMA fighters, but even better, they can be tailored to any sport. Football, hockey, boxing, soccer, the list is endless. Head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash richardlistens to get 20% off your order and a free customized design for your mouth guard. everybody and welcome to another episode of the Richards Listens show. I'm going to be live today with Bob Tewksbury, 110 game winner in the major leagues and having played for 12 different major league teams. He's also a mental performance coach. He'll be joining us shortly, currently with the Chicago Cubs and formerly with the San Francisco Giants and uh, author of this book, 90% Mental. Uh, so we will be going over mental skills as well as what it's like to be living in the age of baseball that we're in right now and to be helping players develop their focus, concentration, and mental toughness as it applies to their sport. Bob will be joining us shortly. So thank you all for tuning in. As always, check out my Instagram or my Patreon page. And you can find that patreon.com slash Richard listens, where you can sign up for all kinds of advanced content and click the ways in which you'd like to support the show as little as a couple bucks a month will mean a great deal to me and my team. Thank you very much for all your contributions. We hope you're enjoying the unlimited content that we're delivering to you without further ado. Let me welcome Bob. So I was just singing your praises. Um, oh, good. Yes. Uh, you're currently the mental performance coach uh, for the Chicago Cubs. Is that correct? Well, the title has kind of changed over the course of spring training to the senior advisor of mental skills for the, wow. for the Cubs. Is this um, a good sign for the, the field of uh, mental skills within baseball? Um, well, I don't know. It just gave me a title and a position for this year while they restructure things and try to get things back in in order but um but that's my official title anyway that's great and uh i was telling our listeners uh we love having uh guests on who've uh not only accomplished things in the world of sports but then have parlayed that into uh the helping professions and helping other athletes um and uh was showing everyone uh 
90% Mental. You've also uh, authored another book. Is that correct? No, just that one. The paperback just came out. The paperback. Well, I, I, I really enjoyed I enjoyed reading it. And uh, for our listeners out there, if you haven't uh, gotten a chance to take a look at what it's like uh, to be inside the mind of a major league player and uh, the journey uh, from AAA and back and, and what that's like internally for a player, uh, really, really remarkable. So thank you for, for spelling that out. Uh, sure. No, it's... Uh... It's been well received and, and it's still selling in the paperback, like I said, just came out last month. And so, uh, yeah, it's been good. It's been good. I appreciate you promoing it and again, and keeping the, keeping it alive, so to speak. <laughs> How, and now I know you can't talk too much about current baseball, but as far as for you, what's, I mean, clearly it's been a shock for the sports world. Uh, can you still, work right now uh, do you shift into your own into into writing and other things how, how do you manage this transition because you've been around the game for a long time I mean yeah well this is my 39th baseball season and it's uh has there ever been anything like this no you know I I and I appreciate you respecting that um because you know it is a difficult time um you know we are trying to stay connected the best that we can um, and, and work on projects that, you know, we can use either now or in the future. Um, but the only thing that, that I can relate this to, Richard, was the 94 strike. Um, we were in Montreal um, August 12th, and we thought it would be a couple of weeks and we'd be back for the for September and then the World Series, of course. Well, the uh, you know, lo and behold, as it turned out, the owners had other plans and um, our intention at that date was to create leverage so that they, we wouldn't lose the World Series, but it was their intention to try to break the union as it turned out. And then, uh, you know, a federal judge in the spring ruled that that was unfair labor practice. And so we lost the World Series and I was that was my free agent year. So that was a double bummer for me. Oh, um, wow. But anyway, so I remember being home just like, the hell do I do now? You know, what do I, what do we do? We, we had just built a new house and um, it was great to be home for a little while. And then you get very antsy and then do you work out? How long do you work out? And so that's the only thing that can compare to it. And, um, you know, this is a very uncomfortable time for all of us and any in any environment, in any profession, day to day, I just went to the supermarket with a with a face mask and gloves, and I was like, I didn't have my phone. I was going to take a picture of myself and just say, "This is crazy. This is our reality right now." Um, but so it's been challenging. But I think, you know, I think that the hard part about being an athlete right now is kind of where everyone is. We don't know when this is going to end and when the normal resumes again and that produces anxiety because you just don't know what to do or what not to do and i think that the struggle i've seen at least in a lot of conversations amongst uh performance coaches and psychologists alike is that we're going through it at the same time so it's very hard to help somebody i mean you can you can be more relatable we can be more authentic but uh, we're facing the same realities uh without the answers so um it's it's unique territory no for sure i mean they try to 
do the best I can to, you know, bike ride or walk or try to do something related to uh, work so that you feel like you're, you're having some value. I mean, we're still getting paid. Uh, even if it's just personal development with, you know, I do have a couple of private high school clients that I've talked to and, um, but it's very, very, um, yeah, it's, and I think you're right. I mean, even in our field, it's, we're going through it too. And it's, it's one thing to, to share your experiences or to talk to somebody who's in a situation in need of counseling in a normal realm where, you know, we have our day-to-day existence and we have our routines. And when that gets broken for everybody, it's other than staying, wash your hands and be well, there's not much else you can do. Right. And particularly for, I mean, yourself as a pitcher, right? I mean, the the pitchers are, are creatures of habit and routines and you're used to throwing every certain amount of, of days, even in the off season. Uh, how do you help athletes maintain that structure even in a limited capacity yeah i mean it's it's something that i think you know and i do have a couple of college clients too and i can i can make reference you know certainly to them and their their seasons get taken away and there's no hope that their season will be back you know um and there's a glimmer of hope that mlb will be back uh but i think you know to continue to do the best you can with the routine that you have, with the resources that you have. Um, but it's, you know, a professional athlete, at some point, you can only keep training for so long before you just say, what the heck? And then you, you may slow down or even stop. And then, you know, I, I was just talking to a friend of mine yesterday, t- today about the process of starting up as an athlete and stopping again. Um, it's really difficult because you're not going to keep in, you need a break. You need a break. So a lot of the the college players, anybody that's basketball, any sport that's going on except for the NFL uh, was training or in the middle of a season that they had trained really hard for. And baseball was at, at the start of a season of which players had trained for since December. Uh, and now that's all stopped. So how long are you going to keep in training mode before you just say, well, you know what, I just need a break mentally. Um, so I think we're going to get to a point, you know, where, you know, the all professional sports are going to have to really look and especially baseball being the most prominent, but even hockey and basketball, what's the reality of, of, getting back and having the players not risk injury, uh, assuming that, you know, we don't know what they've been doing. How do you have, how long do you allow the players to train before they can compete? And, and is it really worth it in the right, end? You're, you'll be going from a complete resting position into, you know, the equivalent of driving, driving 90 miles an hour with uh, just resuming a regular schedule with that intensity. That, that, that well, and then the logistics of, you know, fans or no fans and, and you know, player safety and, and medical staff, you know, meals being catered in and out, uh, equipment people handling the uniforms, washing uniforms. So there's a lot of um, issues that, that need to be considered. But, 
you know, as we keep hearing, the virus will tell us when it's time. And until then, you know, we do Zoom conference calls and talk to people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I led a uh, Amazon business um, uh panel last week i was a moderator so i'm finding creative ways to use my time but one of the gentlemen said that uh zoom friendly fashion is now a growing business so because <laughs> everybody is looking at you from the chest up. <laughs> both of us just got very subconscious right at the same time right so, so <laughs> but, well i just think that you know i read some mark cuban said you know and as we all know, there'll be some good that will come out of this and it'll be something that will be invented. Something will happen that will be a byproduct of this that will help us going forward. And so what's it going to be and who's it going to be? You know, there's an opportunity here, <clears throat> excuse me, for, for us to make change or to understand, uh, I don't know, a lot of self-reflection that we wouldn't ordinarily have time for that we're being forced to have. And I think that that's very healthy. I, um, I know I have tried to walk without a Walkman just to have silence. Um, you're up in, you're up in Maine. Is that correct? Yeah. Or I'm up, we're up in Maine. The beaches are closed, unfortunately, but, um, you know, I kayak today with my, my little King Charles Cavalier and, um, that was nice and quiet and fun. Went on a long bike ride, but, um, you know, and we're having fam for us personally, my daughter is home from England. Um, and we're having nice meals together. We're watching TV together. We're talking about books that they've read, you know, we've read together. So there's, that's been something that wouldn't ordinarily happen. Yeah, I, I talk about mindfulness and, and appreciation and things that we always want to work work on with our athletes. I got my family to play in a, a mean uh, Uno tournament uh, this weekend, and then we looked up through the window, and people were greeting us from our wall. We had like a series of visitors that must have been out for a walk, so we had a conversation about 20 feet away. Oh. <laughs> but, but after a while, it just became normal, you know, um, and, and the thought that they made such an effort to come. and uh, Yeah. <laughs> well, it's um, the life will it will certainly be different. The, the, you know, those of us that, you know, certainly can remember 9-11 um, and how travel changed dramatically after that. I, I think that this will be similar. And sports, the landscape of sports will be so much different, I think. Um, uh, and, and maybe for a while, you know, I know that, you know, just staying on the sports subject, I think their Major League Baseball was thinking of contracting minor league teams to begin with. This makes that contraction easier. They're going to reduce the rounds of the draft. There'll be less players. The minor league season probably is not even going to happen. Um, just based on logistics, you have, you know, it's going to be hard enough to get 30 teams and 750 players playing, let alone, you know, 750 players for each organization. Um, You're talking about for this 2020 season? Yeah. I mean, that's just my thought. I just don't know how it's going to happen unless everything is clear. And then, you know, I just think it's better to err on the side of caution and start up fresh and hopefully next spring 
Yeah, well, I mean, you get a real appreciation from from your your book and from, you know, you hear a lot of athletes that uh, they come into the next season, they keep playing, but something's not fully recovered or they have one injury, which then, you know, obviously affects other muscle groupings and things like that. So even though it's hard psychologically, I'm wondering, I know for myself, I've been getting a ton of recovery uh, rest uh, like you said, you know, meals are, you're not rushing up from a meal, uh, a lot more opportunity to be mindful around things like that. I know for an athlete, uh, nothing, nothing replaces competition and they, they need that to continue growing. So it, it's really hard to live without that. But I wonder for people like yourself who continue traveling and are away from home so often, if this isn't somehow a, a, a rejuvenation step no matter what stage you're at. No, no, I, I think, uh, yeah, definitely. I, I mean, for me personally, it's wonderful to not have the angst of flying and getting on a plane, regardless of the, you know, the present situant, situation, not, notwithstanding, just in a normal season, the travel of every week or so getting, flying somewhere and, uh, and that Do was you always getting travel really... with the team as a mental skills coach? Um, well, your new title. Not every day. Um, this year, my role was going to be different. I'd be with the. I was going to be with the minor league team more, and then oversee traveling. Um, uh, but last year, I was with the team like eighty something days, plus all of spring training, so over a hundred and twenty days. Um, so yes, it'll be. You know. It's nice to not have to think about jumping on an airplane again, um, you know, and it's been kind of, uh, you know, thinking about, for me, my own personal practice of, you know, in the future, this type of teleconferencing and this work is definitely showing that it can happen remotely. And I think that that's a good thing for our industry that we can meet the needs of people from a distance um, because of technology and, and save the, you know, save the flying around to do that. Yeah, it's really, I mean, it took me initially, it was like getting out of my comfort zone. I know there's uh, sports psychologists and mental skills coaches with entire practices that are based online. And I was, you know, uh, felt nervous about the software, the technologies, this is kind of forced us into learning, um, and now, like I mentioned, being able to host panels and uh, offer series of panel discussions for athletes on, on recovery. I think I just got asked uh, to do one at the end of this month on uh, how athletes can deal with the grief and loss and maintain their edge during this time. So the wow. opportunities are, are all of a sudden, it's pretty, I mean, I'm not happy about the conditions, but when I let go of that, um, there's some creativity that's coming through all this. Uh, and like you mentioned, the, the stillness is, I, I don't remember anything like this since I was like a very young child sitting very still and having nowhere yeah. to be. Yeah, no, it's, um, yeah. And the thing that you have to, you know, that I try to remember is that this will change, this will end. We just don't know when. Um, so, but yeah, it's interesting that, you know, the, the injured athletes, you wonder how they feel because 
they weren't going to be able to participate anyway at the start of the season, but now they can recover and get well. And you saw like and immediately, they still can't play. right? But it takes a little bit of the pressure off about, you know, to get ready faster or right to, to try and, you know, fight for your, you know, whatever additional angst may be caused by missing time. Uh, and you saw a yeah. bunch of people like just immediately, um, put in for the the surgery that, that uh, I think it was somebody went in for Tommy John surgery. Was it, uh, one oh, of the Syndergaard, Syndergaard. Oh, Syndergaard and sale. Yeah. So they were like, okay, well opportunity. <laughs> yeah. No, right. Hey, you know, we might not miss any time, but no, it's, uh, definitely, uh, a challenging. And so, yeah, it's so, a, yeah, it reminds me, Bob, yeah, that the one thing I look forward to daily is I still can play catch for my son in the driveway while mm. he's trying to throw, uh, you know, his, his hardest fastball possible um, without damaging the recycle bins. Uh, how did how did you develop your, your, your love for pitching? When did it start? Uh, because you certainly, you know, your unique style and commitment to it and willingness to be yourself is really a theme that came through in 90% Mental. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I can remember, um, you know, my my the, the memory that I have furthest back was that we used to grow up in a like a second story apartment building in in Concord, New Hampshire, and I used to watch kids playing baseball across the street. And then uh, we moved to another apartment, which was near a park. And I remember that I walked over and signed up for little league baseball and you were supposed to be, uh, uh, 10, I think I was nine. And, uh, I just like, yeah, I'm going to play. So that was, I remember I signed myself up and, um, and then started playing and just loved it. And every waking moment would be throwing a ball against the wall or tossing it up. Um, and then that, you know, of course, grew where I was, I was a good player um, and still just loved everything about it. I just, you know, ate it all up. So then, you know, you have success through Babe Ruth and into high school. And then the specialization of being a, you know, really a pitcher took over. And I started studying, you know, more uh, pitching mechanics and, uh, you know, there weren't any videos back then. It was reading and um, and then just fell in love with the science, the art of pitching and, and not only physically, but tactically, you know, understanding the importance of control and uh, pitch sequence. And 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 then, um, yeah, I mean, I, re I remember uh, training. Um, well, I have a picture up here. I can see if I can show you real quick. This, here. this is a photo that was taken in the in the field house at St. Paul's School. Um, that's me working out in this big indoor facility it's by my, myself. By yourself. And this is in this is in New Hampshire. Yeah. So I would, I would go to that gym by myself and throw against the wall. I did all my off season pitching. 
against the wall. And it was great because the wall was never late and it always threw the ball back. And uh, <laughs> would you put some tape so, up for a strike zone? Or yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yep. Measured it out through the tape up. I could throw out to 200 feet. Um, so it was heated, you know, so that's when I, so I did that my whole professional career um, through the, through the end of my minor league days with the Yankees on to my very last pitch with the twins. Uh, I worked out in that gym. Um, so are players on the East coast at a disadvantage because of the cold weather and having to practice indoors or you, do you think? Oh, totally. They the extra yeah, I think, yeah. yeah. I think that it, definitely has an impact um just the lack of facilities but there are more and more facilities now than when i was young and so i think that people can find those more readily but you just although the weather is getting better now to go out and throw so um but yeah so i just started to you know really have passion about you know uh and and as you know, John Tudor said, the great lefty with the Cardinals said, anyone can anyone can pitch throwing 95. It takes a lot of courage to throw 85 and pitch without a screen. And so that's what, you know, the batting screen that you have for batting practice, that protects pitchers. But we went out there without it. And um, I think that's a new definition of bravery. You know, throwing 85 in the big leagues with no protective screen. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Especially with the, you know, thank goodness they moved to the wood bats from the metal bats. Was it oh. scarier in college? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I still, I mean, that that would be, it's scary enough now to see the, the size and speed of the players um, and their specialty with just biomechanics and, they hit the ball so hard uh, and it, the reaction time is scary. Yeah. So who, I know you mentioned in the book, several memorable battles and, and how you approach them and, and keeping notes on how you approach them on a previous at bat. Uh, who uh, was maybe one or two of the most uh, fearsome battles you may have had in your career? Well, um, you know, anytime you face Barry Bonds was always, you know, even before the latter several years of his career, he was uh, choked up, covered the plate, had power to all fields. If he got on base, he could steal second and third. Um, just a great player. I think one um, meeting with him, and this was in 96, so it was kind of beginning of Superman bonds, but um, – I remember he had a two-run home run off me in like the second inning, first inning probably. And we went to the seventh inning and the score was three to two. We're playing at old Qualcomm Stadium in San Diego. And the score is three to two. I get the bases loaded and one out and Bond is up. And I'm not walking him. You know I'm not walking him because I refused to walk anybody. <laughs> I didn't care. So I tried to think how I could outsmart him. And I came up with the thought that I was going to, you know, I'm not going to, he's not going to hit the ball on the ground, not going to strike out. So I've got to get him to hit something weak. Uh, if he hits a sack fly, that's fine. 
But so I decided to throw, I invented a pitch that I hardly ever threw. And that was a slider that was, they call it a back foot slider. Um, you know, right-handers throw it and it goes toward the left-handed hitter's left foot. So it would come down toward their foot. But you have to have velocity to make this happen. It has to be like 93. Well, at 84, didn't work very well. And Bonds hit a grand slam and knocked me out of the game. And it was so it was the only time he'd hit two home runs, that anyone had hit two home runs on me. And I believe it was the only grand slam I gave up. Oh. <laughs> I know. Should have walked him. <laughs> It seems like everyone these days is trying new workout systems. Some people go to the gym, others may run, but I've recently discovered a great in-home method that is absolutely amazing. I'm taking in-jitsu classes online where I'm being trained and pushed in real time by top MMA fighters straight from the octagon. Injitsu.com provides real-time classes so you can get a top-notch workout from the comfort of your own home. These classes are absolutely going to sell out. So head over to injitsu.com slash Richard Listens to get your first class for free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash Richard Listens. Protecting your child's teeth is important in any sport. That's why Impact Dental Designs has put so much thought into their state-of-the-art mouth guards, protecting athletes in youth sports, all the way up to advanced MMA fighters and champions. And the best part is you can customize your own design for your own creative and fun mouth guard. So head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash Richard Listens. And if you purchase now, you get a free customized design and 20% off your order. Yeah, well, it makes for it makes for a great story. Well, the one question that... Uh, that my 11 year old son had for you was your favorite ballpark new and old to play in. Wow. Well, there's, 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 there's multiple answers to that. Uh, you know, being, a being in the new England kid and watching the Red Sox on TV for a very long time to be able to stand on the pitcher's mound and look out uh, at the green monster was pretty special. I remember the first time I went to a big league game was at Fenway and I walked up through the concourse and, you know, I don't know, I think everyone in their youth, it was the greenest green you've ever seen. It was the whitest white. And we were, they were playing the Washington Senators and um, it was just amazing. And so for me to be on the mound uh, years later um, and look out, it's pretty cool. Um, and then, well, it's not April, so great for pitchers, though, right? Well, right, right-handers might be better. Oh yeah, the wall was like <laughs> just pitch them in, you know, uh, or pitch them. Don't let them extend their arms. The big right field, but if they get extended, then it's just a pop-up. But anyway, and then, um, you know, on on April 11th will be my 34th anniversary of my first major league win at Old Yankee Stadium. Wow. So that's a pretty special place. Um, the old, the old stadium where so much history was built and, uh, or made. Um, and then I would say, you know, old Bush stadium, because I, you know, the Cardinals had some really good teams in the eighties and great fans, 
and I had my biggest, most success there. So that's just a special place to, to, to play. Um, so I think those three stadiums come to mind real quickly. I can give you my bottom three. Uh, <laughs> the, old, the old kingdom, uh, Shea Stadium, um, old Milwaukee County Stadium. Um, let's see, there's got to be more. Uh, yeah, those were, those were not fun to go to. And then they had the cookie cutter stadiums back then, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, St. Louis, you know, they were all multi-sports stadiums and they were pretty, pretty bland, but I think visually now two of my favorite, um, PNC park in Pittsburgh is just beautiful, beautiful park and the giant stadium, whatever they call that now is, uh, very beautiful. Oh, yeah, that's beautiful with the water right behind it. Yeah. yeah. Have you been to the Padres uh, Park, Petco? Yeah, I have. Um, it's an upgrade from Qualcomm, but it's still just baseball in San Diego just doesn't have the same vibe that it does on the East Coast. <laughs> that's true. That's true. We go down there because we can get the cheap seats up front and get close, especially when uh, our team, the Mets, come to town. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. So in terms of your focus now, do you feel like players in the minor leagues are more open to mental skills training uh, as opposed to major leaguers? Do you feel like like they've already have their routines down at the higher levels? Um, you know, where do you feel like there's more of an opening? And Yeah, no, that's a fair question. Um, well, I think that, you know, if you look at the cycle of – player development you know today's minor leaguers came have come through specialization you know aau programs and mental skills has become part of that training over time especially into some colleges so there's a good chance by the time the kids get to professional baseball they've had some exposure to it um that said that it still gives them another uh tool in which they can improve their performance that will help them get to the big leagues. And so, yes, they're much, they're very open to it. Mostly that's very rewarding, engaging work. I mean, you know, in the book, you know, my relationship with John Lester and Anthony Rizzo uh, started in the minor leagues and there's even, you know, Josh Reddick, Ryan Kalish, um, you know, there's several players that that are with that were with big league teams that I got to meet through the minor league. So, um, and then, you know, when you're working for a club like the Red Sox and those players come through the system, when I was there and they were big leaguers like Lester, um, Xander Bogarts, you know, Dustin Pedroia, Jackie Bradley, um, it becomes much easier to you have that relationship when you come into a new club, like uh, when I went to the Giants and now the Cubs, you know, the major league side of things is, is a little bit more difficult. Um, even the fact that I have a baseball card and, and then 15 years of doing mental skills um, doesn't always open the door. And I think in part because a players feel like they have their own resources uh, in that area 
um, other coaches, maybe, you know, a lot of players hire outside mental skills coaches themselves because they don't want to feel, they don't really quite trust the team representative. But then they've also had some success and they've kind of figured out what they need to do and not do to perform at that level. Uh, and generally, you know, the areas that a major league player wants to talk about is just family life, helping to eliminate distractions, you know, long distance relationships, especially when kids start to come. The on-field performance psych, sports psych stuff, they really kind of got it figured out. Yeah, that's an interesting point because we know the challenge of, of confidentiality and uh, protecting a, a player. And yet in, in the past, the stigma of not being able to keep things private. I mean, how, how do you battle that in, in letting players know that what they talk to you about will be kept um, with you? Or is it just it's just too, too hard to get through the, the fear well, that it might get back can- to yeah, I mean, excuse me, pardon me, but as long as you have the uniform on or the team pays your check, that barrier will always be there. And I think when you develop a longstanding relationship like I had with Lester and Rizzo, it becomes easier. But, you know, players are really guarded when they get to the big leagues. There's a lot of people that want a piece of them, whether it's financially uh, or or uh, business you know, some business venture, um, whatever. So they, so you really, in order to stay focused, to stay in the big leagues, you really put up some serious blinders. And that's not exclusive to internal staff oftentimes, um, which I get. Um, and, you know, but I, I just feel like it's that, you know, in a private practice, and as you know, you know, your clients, they pay you. Um, you're not reporting to anybody. You know, you don't see them around every day. Uh, you know, athletics is different than, than clinical psych, but. And the minute they see you right out in the community or something else, there can be, there can be an oddness of the, the double, double relationships and dual relationships. Well, yeah. And then you don't acknowledge them unless they acknowledge you. And so the, the whole, <laughs> The whole, the gray area and, and, and providing this service in professional sports setting is very, very wide and very hard to maneuver. Yeah. So um, we know that, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately we lost Ken Revisa a year ago. Uh, what's it like to, to step into, you know, uh, his his role and and be a part of an organization where he carved out a lot of mental skills work and and really did a lot to publicize and expand the field of sports psychology. Yeah. Well, I mean, they miss him, you know, Um, you know, uh, Harvey Dorfman was also a mentor of mine that passed a few years earlier and, and him and Ken and Charlie Marr with the Indians and, you know, they've been in this field for a long time and to lose Ken was, um, was really hard. Um, and to step in, you know, that's what I, I wrote a letter. Um, you know, I, I don't have it with me. I can send you a copy of it. I have a, I, I painted a picture last year that 
um, of Ken, a portrait of Ken in, in the office, and then put Ken's top 10 uh, sayings Thanks. around it. Yeah. And we're trying to sell it to raise money for a scholarship fund. And we had some momentum going prior to spring training being shut down because there's a lot of former players that use Ken. Um, but anyway, so I, I painted that in the, in the intro to the letter said, how do you replace a legend? And you said, you, I said, I don't, you know, I can, I can help carry his word. I can help do his work. You know, I still get people email me or call me and inquire about the field of sports psychology. And I know Ken was diligent about answering those emails. So, and out of respect for Ken, even sometimes with reluctance, I always take the time to do it and it feels good to do. Um, so, yeah, there's just so many things that happen that reflect on what he taught and who he taught and the, you know, the, the chain of people that had he had a positive influence on which stretched from here to your coast. Yes. Really yeah, you know. he I think he worked out of Cal State Fullerton. Uh, primarily as faculty for a long time. Did he uh, directly influence you? Did he, did he mentor you at all or just his, his, his He was more collegial. Yeah, no, he's more collegial. I think, um, you know, Harvey helped me as a player. I reached out to him a couple of times and then post retirement, Harvey was um, a really great asset for me. Ken was a different, relationship it was one where he really respected me as as a player having watched me play and then you know I think he um, really uh, appreciated my going back to school and getting a master's degree and you know academia is important to him and and for a player to do that I think he really valued that so our our relationship was just more collegial and uh and you're still studying, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm always studying. Yeah. Well, I just finished my CMPC. I get I passed that, which was exciting. And so that's good. And um, yeah, I mean, continued learning is great. I I didn't finish my undergrad till I was 44. Um, you're a little bit busy. <laughs> yeah, so it was good. That's terrific. That's terrific. I always say the best thing my mom did was. She took me to class with her, I think, uh, back for her guidance counselor master's uh, in the baby seat. So yeah, I yeah. think it's <laughs> so I don't know how to stop learning. <laughs> it's, been, it's literally yeah, been you keep in, getting more degrees. Yeah. Yeah. I need to stop at some point. It's like I need to, I need to share more and give back more. And, uh, but I but I love learning. And the quarantine has created every book that I that I had not completed uh, is getting uh, poured yeah. through right now. <laughs> no, I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so th that's terrific, and and that that really is a difficult position to be in to to be in the footsteps of uh, somebody who's honored and revered, and to be humble enough to know that we can't just take on all their qualities or be expected to replace them. Yet to make a commitment to try and honor acts of service uh, or giving back to the field, I think that's pretty amazing and I think that that would really reflects Ken's spirit 
uh, from what yeah, I and I'd be happy to. I'll send you the the PDF, and and you can maybe make it part of this podcast or sure your thing. And you're looking for bids on it for a charity. Well, what I what we set up was to have people um, contact Carl State Fullerton um, and say they want to make a donation to Ken's Memorial Fund, and then they get a copy of the PDF. You know, any amount. They can make a donation and then uh, the administrator at Cal State Fullerton will email them the PDF and they can have it. Perfect. Yeah, we'd be happy to promote that. It'd be a tremendous yeah. honor. Yeah, thank you. And I, you know, I should probably um, think of other ways. That's what I, that's a new thing I can add to my creative list is think of new ways to promote the, uh, the artworks to keep, you know, raising money for him and, are you people, are you a painter as well? Is that a hobby you you picked up? Yeah, yeah. I um, well, I'll show you the a couple of ones that I painted here. Sure. You can. That's that's uh, Paul Molitor. Wow, great and second that, baseman for the Twins. Griffey. Wow, Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah. So those are uh, those are acrylic paintings that um that i did that raised money for the boys and girls club in um new hampshire and and uh i did one of mcguire too it was during the home run derby so yeah was he, was he on the cardinals while you were still there or was that was much later no he was he was on the cardinals um after i left so but i painted it during that yeah it was my it was my hobby in the hotel room was to paint and um i haven't for some reason i i think i haven't gotten back into it in a while and now's the time to do it but i feel like i'm so busy thinking i should be doing work stuff that i can't quite relax to paint <laughs> well maybe this will be the impetus to make a little bit of time uh do you do you recommend that for players to have a, a hobby they pick up when they're on the road something that they do that they enjoy yeah, totally. I call them healthy distractions. You know, it's something that has to take your mind away from baseball. That's not drinking and and carousing and and um, so painting was that for me. Some guys use video games. Like to you know, there's a lot of time, especially now with uh, online classes. Players can chip away at their degree on a regular basis and. Um, and then it feels good to have that something accomplished, you know? Um, so I think that there's so much downtime in baseball, you know, maybe when baseball revisits their present uh, structure of time management, there'll be changes in this because uh, I've, I've always said it and people have said it, the player were at the field way too long um, prior to the game and, you know, there's just not that much to do. So you end up sitting around for, and sitting around causes anxiety because you're not, you know, you're just waiting. It's all anticipatory. You're waiting to go do something every day. Um, for a 7 so, p.m. Uh, game, you're showing up noon or prior? A lot of people. Yeah. And then it's a four hour game. And you do that every day. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then on well, and then on Saturday you have a one o'clock game, so you get home at a, a midnight, 
if you're a player, you go to bed at two, you get up at nine, you know, you can come to the park a little later, but now your circadian rhythm's all screwed up and, you know, you have a, and then there's like a one o'clock start time, four o'clock start time, 6.05, and you go somewhere and it's 7.15, you know, and then you're going three time zones. So yeah, the, you know, the baseball, uh, you know, it's not a physically strenuous game like football or aerobic, like, or anaerobic, uh, aerobic like uh, basketball or hockey, but it's continuous. It's 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 everyday life. It's so you need grind. to be focused and ready for the chances every that day. Yeah, every day. Yep. So, uh, speaking of that, just you know, before we close out, how are uh, is major league? I know the NBA has done a lot of uh, adjustments with uh, sleep <laughs> schedule and biorhythms. Uh, do they do they send pitchers home? early or ahead to the destination i mean what kind of changes have been made to kind of uh, yeah no they send pitches home i i never i never flew home early because i always felt like um you know in the minor leagues you never flew early you know the catchers had to catch and play and then you had to travel on a bus for 10 hours and then you pitched (laughs) um so uh I didn't, I didn't prefer to do that, but I understand the reasons for it. And I think it's a good practice. Um, but I do think, yes, there's sleep rooms now, which, you know, used to be back in the day, if you were caught napping, the thought was that you were just out too late and you were drunk. Um, but you know, you're in your twenties and you're playing every day and you're not sleeping well and you need a nap. (laughs) Um, something I still practice regularly. Uh, (laughs) Yeah which is great. And, um, so there's sleep rooms, um, you know, there's more, uh, comfort and thoughts about it on the plane with regard to hydration and recovery, um, tidbits with the, you know, the, the blinds or the neck brace. Um, so yeah. And I think all sports have done that, you know, there's compression sleeves for the lower extremities and keep circulation just going. A lot, yeah just a lot more information on that so uh but so sleep is very much embraced now compared to when i came up where you know uh it wasn't such a thing that people practiced or you know the perception of it certainly wasn't good well the seasons are are, are getting longer and longer as it always been 162 games or with spring training, is everything? Well, it's you, Richard. We play a hundred counting spring training. You play about a hundred and ninety-two games in two hundred and something days. Uh, so, I, well, in the regular seasons, one sixty-two and one hundred and eighty-four days. So, if you add thirty days to that, so you get you know hundred and. 92 games in 214 days or something like that. It's not a lot of time off. No, it's crazy. Yeah. So, but it's baseball and there's no crying in baseball. So you can't (laughs) complain about it. (laughs) (laughs) That's beautiful. Well, well, Bob, I'm I'm truly a a humble man and um, grateful that you made time for me today and our listeners and uh, please tell us more, my listeners, how to get a hold of 
90 percent and how to get a hold of you yes for sure i mean it, it's at uh i know it's at some bookstores uh to get into barnes and nobles has it and uh, but you can buy it on Amazon. Um, there's an audio program as well that you can buy that I narrated all 20 hours of it. So it's from the author. Um, and you can reach me at, uh, I have a website, bobtixbury.com, where I, I have some youth audios. Um, I say youth, probably up through, uh, oh, just amateur uh, one's called the mental foundations of hitting and one's called the mental foundations of pitching. And it kind of, uh, there's information on all the components of mental skills that I think kids can listen to and young players that's on the website. And then, um, I'm not a big Twitter, but, um, uh, Twitter guy, but I'm at Bob underscore Tewksbury and, uh, yeah. And then, you know, I'm, um, keeping busy and being well, and it's really good. I know we connected out in uh, Portland, I believe it was. That's right, the last conference. We, I hope yeah. they're going to keep the uh, Orlando conference on. I know. And uh, it's taken us a while to get together, but I'm glad that we have uh, and uh, some good synergy there. Keep doing your good work out there, and let's stay in touch. Absolutely. I'll uh, let you know if we're going to do some panels uh, for athletes coming up, uh, whether or not you want to be a participant or not, trying to figure out more and more ways to create value uh, for the athletes that are at home, whether they be recovering. I mean, we touched upon a lot of topics today for our listeners. I always like to recap from, you know, it's a form of grief, a form of loss. Uh, it, it, there's, a, there's a lot of creativity and opportunity, but there's also a lot of anxiety, which is really natural because it's it, this could not, this was not predictable, uh, which whenever you have a situation out of your control that you could not predict. So some anxiety is, is normal. And so learning how to process that and figuring out what routines you can engage uh, to stay physically healthy and, and mentally sharp and create some new goals for the current, you know, temporary situation we're in and maybe redefine what your goals are going forward. Uh, all opportunities of uh, our current predicament. Uh, I welcome this opportunity. I thank you, Bob. I thank, you know, people making time and all our listeners for tuning in. Um, please send any questions, you know, or reflections you have on today uh, to me on Instagram, and I will uh, direct them towards Bob and try and get an answer for you. Um, I appreciate uh, very much. If you haven't read his book, really, it's, 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 it's a really an amazing inside look on what it's like to um, be developing your skill and yet be in the major leagues and, and all the risks and all the weight. To get knocked out of an all-star game. That's, <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah. but you made an all-star game. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that. Well, thank you very much. And uh, we'll sure we'll get you over. Um, the link as soon as we have it up uh, for all my listeners, please check out patreon.com slash Richard listens, take a look at advanced content and ways to support the show. And as always on Instagram and Facebook, Richard listens, send us your ideas for future guests that we have not had on yet. Or if you yourself would like to be a guest, uh, we are currently scheduling for this summer. Uh, again, Bob will be sharing with us the artwork 
that he has created uh, in memory of loving Ken Revisa, mentor and mental skills coach uh, to many current athletes. So hopefully, uh, if you're interested in it, uh, please support the artwork and uh, the foundation for Ken Revisa. Thank you, everybody. I'm Richard Listens, and I'm out. I'm a big fan of MMA sports. It's rough and elegant at the same time. I think my number one fear of stepping into a ring like that would be protecting my teeth. Luckily, the guys over at Impact Dental Designs have created an amazing mouth guard that is state of the art. These mouth guards are currently being used by some of the best MMA fighters, but even better, they can be tailored to any sport. Football, hockey, boxing, soccer, the list is endless. Head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash richardlistens to get 20% off your order and a free customized design for your mouth guard. Lastly, I'd like to proudly mention our sponsor, Injitsu.com, providing remote at-home training from some of the world's top MMA fighters. These classes are not pre-recorded. These trainers come to you live and coach you for the duration of the session. I've personally taken a few of these classes and I've never felt so inspired and accomplished in a workout session. They'll leave you both on the floor in exhaustion and with a drenched shirt. There are still slots available for online classes, so head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash richardlistens. Take care, everyone.